Um, it is really crazy to be here because um, now my youngest is four, and when I started, my oldest wasn't even, gosh, he was probably like two years old, and I was pregnant with my third, I think, when we had the first Moms by Grace, so it's been a long time, and it is so neat to see how God has been faithful and that this ministry continued and kept going, and it's just a reminder that whatever we're involved in, ultimately it's the Lord's ministry, it's the Lord's work that he's doing, even in motherhood, right? We get to be a part of it for a while, but ultimately even our children belong to the Lord, so um, yeah, I wasn't going to start crying, so thank you. <laughs> um, as she was talking, though, um, it did remind me of why I was initially even looking for something like Moms by Grace, why I wanted to be mentored by an older mom. And this ties into what I'm going to be talking about today, which is communal gratitude, because I think it's important for you guys to kind of know where I come from, like where my gratitude comes from, mostly because I don't feel sorry for me and give me more grace, but, <laughs> but also because I think it's important what God has done in my life. So I'm not going to go through my whole testimony. I'll spare you the tears. You can come to me later if you want to hear it. But I grew up in an abusive home. My biological dad um, went to prison and is on the Megan's Law website, and my grandfather also um, for abusing me and some of my siblings. So that's the life that I had. Obviously no example of what a godly mother would be, um, or even they were not Christians, they were um, atheists, my parents. And then one day, um, God allowed me to go to a Bible study where I was fighting with somebody all the time, and I just broke down because I was at the end of myself. And a girl who was there who heard me crying invited me over to her house. She didn't know me at all. This was the first time she had met me. Invited me over to her house. I met her parents. This was the first time they met me, um, Jeff and Paula Thompson. And they told me they didn't think I was living in a good environment, and they wanted me to come and live with them and not pay rent and just be there. And I spent, gosh, so many months just crying in my room, like underneath the desk, which later I found out she would hear me crying and she would just pray for me outside the door. But, um, and now I call them my adopted parents. They were my parents walking me down the aisle there for the birth of my children, got stuck watching my kids when I went to Alaska for 10 days. Like, <laughs> <clears throat> they're my parents now, through and through. Um, but unlike a lot of other kids who are adopted at a young age and grow up and they like sass their parents, right? Like just like any other kids would because they were adopted young. I know the difference. I know what it's like to grow up in a home when you're not loved, where you are not safe. So for me, when I look at my parents, the gratitude and the thankfulness I have for them, like, and I'm not just saying this to you now, you can ask my husband. <laughs> Like, it is constant. Nobody says anything to my parents or about my parents. I have never had a single day where I've been angry at them for anything. When he proposed to me, it's so funny in the video, I don't even say yes or no. I said, did you ask my parents? <laughs> That's literally the first words that were out of my mouth. And it's not out of a fear. It's because I am so thankful for what they did for me. And even to this day, every single day, I thank God because I thought I was going to grow up and have a horrible life. I thought I was going to grow up and be involved in drugs and all the other things that I was doing as a young child. It wasn't just sin against me, guys. I was also a total sinner. And yet God looked at me in that moment 
And out of, there were eight kids in my family. I'm the only believer. I'm the only one with the semblance of a life. And I think it was nothing about me. It was just that God chose me and gave me this amazing opportunity to be loved and to see his love and to know his love. So when I was a young mom, I was desperate to know how to be a good mom. And I did have my mom now, Paula, that I was going to. But I just needed to be infused with it because everything was totally new for me. Like, I grew up where you're yelling at kids and you're hitting kids and you're threatening to kill yourself and leaving the house. And I didn't want any of that for my family. I didn't want to be that mom. And so that was kind of that, just that desire for something more that would honor God is sort of where this all came from. So for me, obviously, it's super emotional whenever... I come um, and I even get to hear somebody speak or when I even hear somebody talking about how this ministry has impacted their motherhood. It's such a blessing to me to think how God use, you know, makes beauty from ashes. He takes all these things that happen and just constantly weaving a new story and doing other things. So I wanted to start with that because when I think about gratitude, I can't think about gratitude without the juxtaposition to what we're missing right? Like when we think about thankfulness, it's like we're thankful for these things because we might not have these things. It's just the general, right? Are you guys on this page with me? (laughs) It's like the general knowledge inside of us. And if you don't necessarily understand that, think about when your kids start whining about things, okay? I know you all do this, so don't even try to act like you don't, where you're like, there's kids in other countries who don't even have access to food, (laughs) right? You know, you think that I have told my kids before, there are children your age working in mines in Africa. <laughs> like, you can pull these weeds. <laughs> and then um, I was actually talking to my husband about this the other day, and he was saying how he wants to take one of our kids on a medical mission trip to another country so he can see how they live there. And I was like, what do you think the parents in those countries do when their kids are being ungrateful, though? You know? It's like, well, we could take them to America and be like, you don't want to live like these pigs? <laughs> Parking out on food, enjoying the high life. But it's true. Like, innately in us, we see that we have to, that there, the only way to have true gratitude, to be thankful, is if we have that juxtaposition of what we um, have versus what we don't have. Right? So that's the way that we see gratitude. And God has created it for this way, like, in this way for a purpose. Um, first, though, I want to show you what is life like without gratitude. Hopefully you guys are kind of familiar with Romans 1. Um, in Romans 1, it starts to go through the sin, just the rampant sin that is happening all around. It's talking about reviling and anger and um, homosexuality. And then what does he say in Romans 1.21? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. He talks about all this sin that they're committing. And what was the root of it? That they weren't honoring and recognizing who God was, and they didn't give thanks to him. Because being thankful to God is part of that posturing of recognizing that everything we have we owe to God. That he is the authority above us. So much is tied into gratitude. Pretty much everything, I believe, is comes back to being thankful for what? For what Christ did for us on the cross. 
And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We are commanded over and over and over again to do things in Scripture, to be thankful, to have joy, to love others. And it's all rooted in the fact that we have to have that gratitude to God for what he did for us. That's how, why we have joy. That's how we are kind to others. That's how we love, is by remembering those things. So I know a lot of you guys have probably already heard a bunch of talks or read books or, you know, around Thanksgiving, we all talk about personal Thanksgiving, which I will go into briefly. But I really wanted to communicate today more so this idea of communal gratitude. You know, this kind of assumption that if every single person in this room, if we're all living a life where you guys are thinking about what Christ did for you, right? You look at your life and you see that huge difference of what you were like before Christ and what you were like after Christ. How does that impact us? How does that unite us? How does that change the way that we function together in a body, in a group, all together? Like, it's, it's transformative. Nothing could be the same, right? If we were all actually thinking about that every day. And I know um, both of our churches are really good about saying, preach the gospel to yourself daily, right? We hear that all the time. We have to remind ourselves of what God did for us. And I'm just going to add to it and preach it to others to be that encouragement to others. So I wrote communal gratitude on the top of your paper because I want you to have this idea in your mind, that communal gratitude is the bond amongst believers held together by our shared gratitude to God for who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. And one of the pictures I just want you guys to think about of how everyone is like united when we have this sense of gratitude together is if you saw the videos coming out from Italy um, early COVID, I'm not going to get into COVID discussion if you think it's real or fake, so don't let your mind go down that path right now where you will be tempted to go. But if you saw the videos, you saw people leaning out the window and maybe like a, a healthcare worker would be walking down the street. And what did people start doing? Clapping, singing songs together, right? A bunch of videos would come out of people who had food and they're like passing it to other people, like through the windows, you know, a tea, whatever it was, right? Do you guys remember seeing those images? Because everyone was united in this idea of we are like struggling together. And then they see this person that is risking so much for them. And it would be like a spontaneous reaction to the gratitude that they had because they felt the weight of the situation of how scary it would be to be in that position. How much more as believers should that be the way that we are behaving and acting and responding? Right? We are united in, I mean, the world is a hard place to live. It's difficult. There's not just difficult relationships. There are diseases, whether COVID's one of those or not, I'll leave up to you. But there are diseases. There are things happening all around us, right? Things to us, things that we have been the cause of. Life is so hard. And when we have our Savior, who we are, should all unite around in gratitude towards him. And it should cause us to sing, to encourage one another, to reach out to one another, to love one another, right? So I just want you to have that in your mind because I was really struggling with having like an exact definition for communal gratitude because it's not a thing that you do. It's a way of life. It's the way that you see everything. It's the lens over your eyes through which you see the world is that we are united as believers in our gratitude to Christ, to God, 
for who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. So I'm going to jump right into um, your first one, which is communal gratitude springs forth from the peace of Christ. I already kind of covered this, right? We've been talking about that, that it is a peace of Christ in us when we have saving faith that allows us to even be thankful. And who is our thanks to be to? Like, who should we be thankful towards? You guys got to be louder than that. <laughs> Christ, right? We should be thankful to God. That's something that I think was kind of unique to me that I hadn't realized before as much. I need to be thankful to God. But every time when I'm reading the word, there's, no, there's never a moment where it's like to commanding somebody to be thankful necessarily to somebody else. All thanks is given to God. Every time Paul says that he's thankful for people, who does he say it to? I thank God for your faith. I thank God for how you blah, 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 blah. Mostly it's for your faith. <laughs> right? And so I just want that to sit in your minds, even as we're talking to our kids and we're living our life and we're talking to our friends. Like, is that how we're articulating our gratitude? Are we constantly repeating to them, I'm thankful to God that you are my child. I'm thankful to God that you are my son. I'm thankful to God that you are my daughter. And that we're expressing verbally. Paul doesn't just feel it, he's expressing it verbally, right? That he's thankful for them. But um, I want to read to you guys Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, i got to find my... Let me read to you guys, sorry, really quick from Colossians 3, 15 through 17. This is the one that's on your paper. Um, and all of these thank yous, all of these yous in here are actually plural yous. It means y'all. Our English language, I feel like we don't even have this word because it's just not how we really function, like speaking to people in this way of like you, this group of people. It's almost like we're the opposite, right? We're so individualistic. And so our language doesn't even have the correct word to be able to translate for this because we are so individualistic in our, in our language, in our, um, our culture. So I'm going to go ahead and read this to you, but I'm going to fill in the you all because this isn't given to you or to you or to you. This is given to the group of people, okay? All the Colossians together. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you all were called in one body. And you all be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in all of you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in all of your hearts to God. And whatever you all do, in word or deed, you need to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So right before this portion, we see Paul talking to them and telling them, be patient, be kind, be loving, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Because they're having a lot of issues, obviously, with each other, right? And he's reminding them, you need to be united. And he tells us right here, why do they need to be united? Through the peace of Christ, because of what Christ has done for them. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So whenever we see the word peace, there's kind of a few different ways that it can be taken, right? It can be the peace of God, meaning like we have a peace in us that no matter what happens, you know what I mean? Like you're like pacified peace where you're not going to be rocked on the waves, but you have this peace. And there's also the peace, meaning you're like in a war with God. And now a peace has been created. 
Both are sort of implied in this text. So Romans 121 tells us, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to read that one. <laughs> Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do they have peace with God? How do they have peace with God? Through Christ. Yeah, through Christ, right? And so they have peace now, meaning we're no longer at war with God. Which, how thankful should we be for that? And then Philippians 4.7, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's talking more about the peace that we would have in circumstances that are difficult. And I love to think about friendships in the church as little anchors that help you to have peace. Like if you think about a boat that is just rocking out of control, right? Christ is our anchor, but he has blessed us with sisters in Christ that can encourage us, and they're also there to help hold us down so we don't get tossed to and fro. So this verse from Colossians 3.15 that I read to you previously, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, so that peace needs to be ruling inside of us, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Basically it's saying, and be thankful to God for one another. That's what he's telling them to be thankful for. Thank God for your sisters in this room. And we want to think, is that something that we're doing naturally or like in general in our life? Do we stop and thank God for the women that he has placed in our life to disciple us, to encourage us, to point us to the word? And if we don't have those people, do we seek them out? We'll get more on that later. So our horizontal peace, meaning our peace with other believers at the church, is directly related and driven by our vertical peace. Our peace with God is the only thing that can cause us to have that peace with others. Otherwise, you're going to take everything personal. When sin happens, you think it's about you. Oh, they're mad at me. Oh, look at me. Your eyes are only turned inward. But when we have the peace of Christ and somebody sins against us, we're quick to remember, Lord, you have forgiven me for my sin. Help me to be an encouragement and love to this person. It just totally transforms the way that you're seeing them. <laughs> and from this peace flows the gratitude and contentment. It's hard because in some ways I feel like I don't want to say that gratitude is everything, but really it is everything. Our gratitude to God for the gospel really is everything, and everything is tied to it, which is why it's so difficult to kind of narrow down even... I mean, I feel like we could literally talk about this, and I could talk about this for days, right, on end, because so much is tied to it. But I, I want to stick with a little bit just to remind you guys that from gratitude flows contentment. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Side note, that verse is about contentment, not winning football games. I know you guys know that, but please do not use it out of context. And how cool is that, though? Because even Paul had to learn to be content. He had to train himself to be content. We all have to train ourselves to be content, right? And who had to give him the strength for that? Christ was the one who strengthens him. 
I want to just share some truths for you guys to think about so you can think about where your heart is, even in this idea of our gratitude to God in contentment. Because the reality is, if I'm so thankful to God, anything I have is more abundant than what I would expect. So, like with my parents, anything that they do for me, I never expected anything from them. It's always constantly a shocker. I don't sit there thinking, like, I deserve blah, 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 blah. Why aren't they doing this like other kids do? I hear kids say it, so you guys can say whatever. <laughs> I hear even you guys talking about that with your parents, right? It never even occurs to me because anything that they have done for me is already above and beyond what I ever deserved. And that's the way we should look at Christ, right? Anything that we have is already above and beyond what we ever deserved. So people with grateful hearts are easily contented, while ungrateful people are subject to bitterness and discontent. So just like a self-check, asking yourself, and you can think this about your kids too, are you easily contented? Or do you struggle with bitterness and discontent? And if you do struggle with that, you need to remind yourself of the gospel and reach out to somebody else to help remind you of the gospel. A grateful heart will be revealed and expressed through thankful words, while an unthankful heart will manifest itself in grumbling and complaining. So I love Matthew 15, 18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. I don't want to give you guys like a list of things that you can do to show that you're thankful. You know, like write cards, say this, express it this way. Because the reality is those things will just happen. They just flow from a heart that is thankful. You don't have to tell somebody to do that. If you truly are thankful and excited about someone or something, you're going to express that supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you just to be thinking in your mind, how is thankfulness or a lack of thankfulness manifested in your speech? Do you grumble and complain about a situation or are you quick to be thankful for it? Um, this book that you guys, that she gave away, is really good. I cried the whole time I was reading it. <laughs> and it has a story about a father whose 17-year-old daughter died. And when they came and told him that his daughter had just passed away, the man said, before we question why God would do this, let us stop and thank him for the 17 years we had with her. And in that moment, he led his children and his wife in prayers of thankfulness to God. Because that was already in his heart. Nobody had to tell him to do that. That was his posturing in his life. Just complete gratitude and thankfulness. And that's how we should all be living. That shouldn't be so shocking for me. But when I read it, I was just like, ah! <laughs> You know? That should be, if that is our attitude all the time in all things, it will flow from our hearts. So what are some ways that you can grow if I'm not going to tell you to, I can see you guys this <laughs> if you're not going to be writing letters and doing all of these things. Um, I wrote on the bottom there, I thought it was a really sweet little poem. When thou hast thanked thy God for every blessing sent, what time will then remain for murmurs or lament? We need to express our gratitude to God to reorient our mind. Don't, let our, don't talk to ourselves, preach to ourselves, right? We're preaching the gospel to ourselves and reminding ourselves of everything God has done for us. And then you just sit there and you actually do it out loud. Thank God through prayer for all that he has given you. 
And when you start going through things, I don't care what circumstance you're in, you will be blown away as you reflect on how much God has done for you. And even if it's not like right in this moment, you know, when we had the miscarriages, um, we had three back-to-back miscarriages, and it was really hard for me. Like, I was really sad. And yet, even in those moments, I was still thinking, Lord, thank you that I was able to have these children, to raise these children in a Christian home, that my children are safe when they're with their mom and dad. Like, even in our difficult circumstances, there is so much that we can be thankful for because we have Christ, because God has saved us. Um, And then something that, with complaining with kids that I like to do is, if you have a lot of hand motions or other things, this is probably also good for you to do with your friends if they complain a lot, (laughs) is I'll say, you say stop and thank God. So as soon as I start rambling on about stuff, oh, you didn't let me get ice cream from that ice cream truck, I wish I lived next door, blah, 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 right? You tell them stop and thank God. And then over time, you can just do the hand motion and they know what's going on. Repetition works really well with kids. And honestly, if you're training your kids well, I'm like, moms with older kids can attest to this, sometimes you'll catch yourself doing it to yourself. Like, then you start complaining, and you're like, stop and thank God, you know? And it helps to keep your own heart in check. So communal gratitude is practiced in the public gathering of the church. So I've been talking a lot about how it is personal for you guys, right? When we're personally thankful to God for what he has done and how that should affect the way that we see the church. But it also is practiced just in the church in general, right? Um, One of the things that I love is... Well, I love doing Passover now because God commanded the people in the Old Testament, right, to have this big feast and party, which I love to party, and to think about what God has done for them. And what is our modern thing, right, since Christ came? What do we do now that is a constant reminder to us of what Christ did for us? Communion. Yeah, communion. And do we do communion at home by ourselves? No. No. We're called to come together to thank God for what he has done so that we can encourage one another and remind each other of what God has done and to be thankful and to be united in that remembrance of what God has done. Um, that's in Mark 14 and Matthew 26. And then it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, who was he giving thanks to? God the Father, right? He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. We are commanded to come together as a body to remember what God has done for us. And although it's not a feast, we get like a little tiny juice cup and like a wafer, which I don't even like the flavor of the new ones now, thanks to COVID. But... We have this coming together. It represents like this overall idea of feasting, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good to experience the Lord in a different way coming together communally. Um, And ways that we can grow in this communal gratitude are given. It's this next part in the Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So communion is just an example of a way that this is expressed and is commanded to us and can only be expressed in a group setting, right? Like as our community of believers. 
But we are also told to let the word of Christ dwell in you all richly. It's not just you as an individual, you all. There's a sense that we have like this responsibility with one another to be encouraging one another, to be a part of this in one another's lives. You guys cannot do this alone. If you think you can do it alone, talk to me afterwards. <laughs> you can't. You are commanded to be encouraging one another and to be doing these things with one another, and they are commanded to be doing these things with you. So it's impossible to do it by yourself. When it says, let the word dwell in you richly, I love that, you know, dwelling, it means to live in. So we need to let the word of God live inside of us. To live inside of us. So what does that look like? What do you think? Very concerned. Memorizing scripture. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Memorizing scripture. Good. What else? Thankfulness out loud. Yeah, thankfulness out loud. You can even go through scripture and be thanking God for different things that are part of it. Yeah, so memorizing the word, meditating on the word, reading the word, encouraging others to do all of these things or doing all of these things with others, right? Um, Psalm 1 tells us, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's how we dwell in it richly. We see it as something that we need. And we love it because we love God and we're so thankful for what he did. And that motivates us to spend time in his word. And then guess what? We teach and admonish one another. Did you guys realize that you are supposed to be teaching each other? Not just whoever's up here with the microphone. Which after this you'll be like, I can totally do that. <laughs> we're supposed to be teaching and admonishing one another. Which is a weight because that means that's why you have to let the word of Christ dwell in you. How can you teach and admonish a sister in Christ if you don't know the word of God? You're just going to be going on your own opinions, and I can say your own opinion is nothing. And what does admonish mean? Do you guys know? It's to counsel another, usually against something or like to avoid something, right? So we're teaching, we're encouraging each other of what they should do, of what you guys should do. You're telling that to each other, and you're encouraging each other of what not to do hey, I don't think you should have spoke to your child that way. That was not gracious to them. Or I don't think that you should speak to your husband or about your husband that way. That boldness that comes to admonish another person, that's hard. And if it's based on your opinion, it's rude. But if you are actually genuinely loving the Lord and by that are motivated to want to encourage a sister in Christ to pursue godliness your admonishment is going to come across very differently because your intent is completely different. And you are all commanded to do that. That's a huge weight. If you are a believer, we are in this together. I need you to be willing to speak into my life, and I need you to also be willing to hear it when I speak into your life. <laughs> um, Proverbs 27.6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. How true is that? Romans 15, 14. I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. So Paul's constantly telling people, this is what you need to be able to do to each other. And he's kind of counting on the fact that you guys are going to do it. It's not Pastor Chris's job to be the only teacher at church. 
or to disciple every single person or to call every single person out on their sin. It's so cool how God has made it so that we are all uniquely able to work together as a body, be involved in people's lives and encouraging one another and speaking truth into one another's lives. And everybody sees things just a little bit differently. And so we are all going to the same scripture. So we're applying God's word to people, but we might notice, oh, they said this harshly because they were with them with their kids at the park, right? You have to be willing to live this out in your everyday life because it's not going to work that you just find someone to disciple you and you sit down at a coffee shop and they just tell you all these amazing things from the word of God and you walk away refreshed. That's not what this is talking about. Communal gratitude is saying we are living together every moment, encouraging each other, admonishing each other, teaching each other, reading the word of God, right? And then it moves on in all wisdom. It has to be from the word of God, not our opinions. And what else? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, I don't know. There's probably like a technical term for this. I call it echoing. So somebody, if you know the term, you can tell me what the term is. But a lot of times when Paul's writing, he'll say something in one place and then he echoes it in other books. Is there a better word for that? And I love that because sometimes he'll amplify it and he'll add more information in another part. And you can go and you're like, oh, that's the exact same phrases that he used here. And he's tying it to all the same things. And it's just like this new layer of life is brought to what you're reading. And so he echoes this portion in Ephesians 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as fools, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm like, wow, he really just like reworded that. (laughs) It's so cool. So what is he tying psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing to? It's being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need to be filled with the Spirit. Right? And this is why this picture is so clear in my mind of the people in Italy. Because when they were leaning out the window, they started singing like their national anthem. And they would sing songs, right? That's how it should be for us. There should just be this sense of we're involved together singing scripture, enjoying the word of God together with one another. And this is a total side note, but young kids memorize so well, right? They're like little sponges absorbing everything. The music that you play for them when they are little, they are absorbing into their mind. Like we probably all know the lyrics to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't even know how many years ago was that, that we watched it like 25 years ago or something, 20 years ago. But we all know the words to it. Why? Because music holds a special place in our mind. God designed music to be that way. That we would be able to meditate on his word through music, singing songs songs and songs to him. And so you want to be careful with the music that you guys are playing with your kids. And that you're filling your own mind with. And that you're listening to with other people. And then I would encourage you also, um, I was hoping to bring CDs, but I could not find them. The Village Church, if you look up on YouTube, the Village Church Preschool, they put out every single month a new scripture song um, for the kids to memorize. 
and they do such a great job. Like the tunes are great, it's totally professionally done so your kids will love it. And you just hide the word in their heart while they're little and for yourself. We were in a situation a while ago where we were, there's a lot of snow and a lot of cars had slid off the road and we were scared that we were going to with all the kids in the car. And one of my kids just started singing and they all joined in. Like, when I am afraid I put my trust in you. Just on their own, spontaneous, because that word was hidden so hard, so deep into their heart through music. And that's why God cares about the music that you listen to. And I think it's so cool that one of the things that we're told in how do we create the sense of communal and everything together is through music, right? And being filled with the spirit is where this is flowing from. Um, and lastly, communal gratitude is practiced in personal relationships within the church. John 4, 19 through 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is so funny to me because um, obviously I was much older when I moved in with the fam my parents now. And the brother who moved out like a week before I got there to go to college, I took his room. Joel, I'll blast him right now because it was totally ridiculous. <laughs> but when I was there at the house, the first time I met him, I don't know why he did this. He shot me in the back with an airsoft gun when I was walking to my car. Like, welcome to the family. And he just shot me in the back. And now I joke about it and it's funny. At the time, honestly, it was still funny to me. I didn't even care. I was so happy that I was in this other house. I didn't feel threatened for my safety because he wasn't living there. But, <laughs> but I was just so happy to be in this house that even though he literally shot me in the back, when I wasn't looking and had no idea it was coming because he was standing on the roof. <laughs> it was like 21. <laughs> um, it didn't even phase me. Because honestly, like, well, probably my siblings would have done that to me also at a younger age, so maybe that's part of it. But I was just so thankful to be there, you know? And that's just the reality is you guys are going to shoot each other in the back sometimes. <laughs> Whether intentional or not, like, something's going to get said that rubs you the wrong way. Someone's going to do something. They're going to leave you out. You're going to see their post that they had a big party and you weren't invited. These things are going to happen. I can guarantee it right now. They're going to also happen for your kids. So you need to deal with it now so that when it happens to your kids, you can point them to Christ. But you have to love others enough to go, I'm glad that they got together and that they were able to enjoy this time together. Um, and just be thankful for that. Or if you think that there is a problem with somebody else, you have to love God enough that you don't, you want to be bonded with the other sisters in Christ, that you will go and talk to that person and encourage them and work through with them. Like, that's hard to do. It's a lot easier to just go, oh, no, I'm not going to talk to them anymore because they're rude. It takes a lot more to be willing to fix that relationship and to work through that. But if we truly are thankful for what God has done, we look at all that he has commanded us to do in a body of Christ, and we go, obviously, like, I can't just not talk to my brother Joel because he shot me in the back. You know, I'm not going to go to Thanksgiving and not speak to him for years. Like, we have to love enough that we are willing to either forgive as Christ has forgiven us or actually work through it from Matthew 18. So I could go on forever. You guys know me. I talk a lot. But I'm going to close there. <laughs> because of our time. So I'm just going to pray, and then I think somebody else will come up. So if you'll join me in prayer. 
Gracious God, you are so good. We thank you for who you are, what you have done for us, how you saved us from our life of sin and despair, how you gave us new hearts so we could love you and worship you. I ask now that you would just move in us, that you would give us hearts to love one another the way that you have called us to, that there would be something special in the body of believers um, that is just a testimony to who you are and what you have done, because you reconciled us to you through your son. Allow us then to live out that reconciliation every day in our daily lives. I thank you so much for all of the women who are here today, for the moms and the women behind the scenes that I see uh, making food and bringing meals and just selflessly serving um, every month, month after month, and all of the time that is poured into this. I thank you for Dawn and the other leaders and just their hearts to honor you, Lord, um, by doing all of these things that we are talking about. They are admonishing and teaching and encouraging and pointing one another to Christ, Lord. I pray that that would be the pervasive culture of our churches, that we would just be so entwined with, with your word that it would just pour out into our lives and into our relationships. I thank you so much as we're going into these groups. I pray that you would help us just to speak words of encouragement, that we would be open and honest and humble and willing to have hard conversations, and that you would just allow this opportunity to bond with one another. Amen.